So that was this last week. Uh, tonight, we are starting a new series tonight. Uh, so we finished our Ephesians series last week. Riley did an absolutely incredible job last week of the Ephesians series. And tonight, we're starting a new series called Conversations with Jesus. So this kind of idea is that for the next few weeks of November, we're going to have some conversations with Jesus. We're going to read the scripture and study the scripture where he had some conversations and kind of figure out if you had a conversation with Jesus today, what it could be like, right? So, so we're going to sit at coffee tables like this because I imagine today if you were to meet Jesus, you'd say, hey, let's meet down at Summer Moon, okay? Or let's, yeah, let's, let's, go meet, let's go meet at Java Owl, or, or maybe next year, let's go meet at the One Life Coffee Bar. Yeah, coming next year, 2024, wait. Um, so let's meet at a coffee bar, Jesus. Let's just hang out and just connect and chat, you know? Picture a nice, cold, blustery day outside in Houston when it's freezing cold and 82 degrees. And you're inside a freezing cold shop. They crank the AC down to make it feel like it's cold outside so you drink your nice, warm cup of coffee. And you're sitting there with your cup of coffee, and you and Jesus are going to hang out and have a conversation. Well, in the next few weeks, we're going to have some conversations with Jesus, and we're going to see if he had the conversation with us, what would he be saying to us today? And we're going to look at some scripture where he had conversations with people to kind of get an idea of what he's saying. Okay, are you guys good with that? So tonight, uh, tonight, we are looking at the book of John, book of John, chapter 21, okay? We're going to start there tonight. So... Um, in the book of John is this amazing story of a guy named Peter and Jesus. So one of the disciples and Jesus having a conversation. And we're gonna get to the scripture in just a moment, but, but this whole conversation Jesus and Peter are having, um, Jesus is trying to deal with something that Peter and another guy in the team has an issue with, a clear issue with. And I think it's something that many of us potentially struggle with in this room as well. And uh, part of it has to do with where we're looking in life. Part of it has to do with where our focus is. What are we looking at? Who are we looking to for our validation? Um, if we're looking in the wrong place, bad things happen, right? So a classic example of that is, is this, uh, this past weekend we were in Missouri, as I mentioned. Uh, we're driving around and, and a bunch of us are going out to one of the parks to do a hike, a place called Elephant Rocks. And uh, myself and a bunch of interns were kind of trailing in cars together, going out towards Elephant Rocks, about 30-minute drive. And we're kind of in town, and there's a four-way stop, and we come to this four-way stop, and I'm driving this big uh, 2023 F-150, brand new out-of-the-box truck, okay? so we got the rental car place with a massive TV screen in it, right, okay? And uh, I mean, it's sport mode, it's got the sports package on it, and this thing wants to go, right? And so I'm driving this, I'm thinking, I'm, I, this is amazing, I want a truck now, right? I want a big truck. I've never been a truck guy after driving that, I want a truck, right? So I'm in this truck, and there's Vanessa beside me over there, and then I got uh, some of the interns in the back of the back seats with me as well. And we're waiting in line at the four-way stop, and we come to our kind of turn to stop. And as I get there, uh, Vanessa says, wait, 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 wait. She goes, there's a blind old lady crossing the road. Oh, yeah, there she is. I see her. So we're waiting. We're walking this lady across the road. Blind, glasses, doing this. We're just walking, just quietly walking. Car, everybody's waiting. Everybody's waiting. Nobody's moving. Lots of cars. She's just doing her little stick thing, walking across the road. As she's doing that, we're sitting there. From our left is another old school F-150, dual cab, okay? Old school. There's a couple old school people in the truck as well. 
I don't know what the guy's name is, but I'm sure his name's probably like Billy Bob or something, was in the driver's seat. Billy Bob was probably about 89 years old. Had long gray hair and a big beard and mustache and one tooth in his mouth. I'll tell you how I know that a bit later. There's Billy Bob and some other people in the truck with Billy Bob and we're sitting on this side, he's on that side of the road and Billy Bob comes up and he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't looking where he needed to be looking. I don't know what he's looking at, but he wasn't looking where he needed to be looking. And he thought, nobody's going. Well, I'm going to go because I got the truck too. So I'm going to pull right out and go. And as Billy Bob started to turn out, he turned left into where this old granny, blind granny, was walking across the road with her stick. And as he's going, it's slow motion. You can see the truck, truck starting to turn. And as the truck's starting to turn, it's slow motion. We're all in the tr- our truck going, ah! <laughs> because we can see what's happening. This le- it's like unreal. Is this a movie? It can't be happening. This lady is about to get hit by this truck. Oh my gosh. She's like, Rrr! and this truck's coming. She didn't see it. She's blind. And there's Billy Bob turning into it. Doesn't see a thing. As he's turned, as he's turned, the closer he gets to the lady, the louder the screams get in our truck. Oh my gosh. You can imagine, car full of intern girls, my wife, and me, okay? <laughs> and the truck turns, and boom, hits right into the lady. Exactly, it's what we thought. Oh my gosh! Knocked her over on the ground. Thank goodness he must have saw her just in time and hit the brake, but hit her hard enough to knock her on the ground, didn't run over. I'm thinking, it's gonna run over, I don't wanna look, it's too bad. So then we sit there for like a split second, and nobody's getting out of the car. Nobody, everybody's just sitting there. The granny's on the ground flailing a bit, okay? We're like, is she hit her head? Is she dead? What's going on? So I get up, boom, fling my door open. I am Superman. I am to the rescue. Here I come. I charge across the intersection with no thought of my own life and what cars are coming. <laughs> As I get over there, there's Granny on the ground. She's starting to get herself up now. I grab her arm. Are you okay? You okay? You okay? Yes. Some guy gets out of the car over here behind her. He's starting to, a lady, I think, getting up, lifting her up. As he's lifting her up, he's like, is anything broken? Is anything broken? No, nothing's broken. Nothing. I'm okay. I'm okay. And somebody's like, call the police. Call the police. It's like, no, don't call the police. About that time, Billy Bob One Tooth Wonder shows up. He's standing, as we're lifting her off the ground, he's standing there. Okay? <laughs> Literally like that. Okay? And we're like, she's fine, dude. She's fine. She's okay. You lucky as I can say. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> so we're pulling her up off the ground. We're getting her standing up. There's Billy Bob standing there with one tooth wonder looking at me. One tooth hanging out. Big beard and mustache. Uh, the lady stands up. Like, somebody's calling the police. Call him. And she's, no, no, fine. And the guy says again, is anything broken? She says, no, no, no. I broke my nail. I'm like, wait a minute, first of all, I thought you were blonde. You got glass, dark glasses and you were sticking across the road and now you can see your nail broken. Hold on here. What's going on, okay? <laughs> so she looked around and said, what are you, she, I, broke, I just had my nails done and now one's broken. I'm gonna go back. I'm like, no, we'll, we'll give you a ride. It's fine, come on, get in the truck. I'll give you a ride over there. No, no, I'm fine. I'll walk back myself. Oh, she goes with a stick. Ding, 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 ding. She starts walking back by herself, back to the nail place. I'm walking with her. Are you sure you're okay? I mean, you're gonna hit in the head. You're all right? I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. She gets on this side of the road. She says, hey, she stops. In the middle of the road, she stops. There's cars everywhere. She stops. Look at me, says, who hit me? I said, it was that guy in the truck. I thought so, she said. And she kept on going. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and eventually, she's walking back towards the nail salon. Who knows where it was? Are you sure you don't need a ride? I'm fine. My nail's broken. I got to get it fixed. I was like, okay, well, there you go. Yes, ma'am, your nail's broken. You go get that thing fixed. Not the fact she got hit by a truck. She was knocked over. None of that. She was concerned about her nail being broken. Okay, Crazy. That actually happened. I have witnesses. I witnessed it to that, Okay. 
So eventually get back in the truck and we go on with our day, no problem. But all that happened because old Billy Bob, one tooth wonder, wasn't looking where he needed to be looking. He was looking somewhere else and kept moving forward and it caused an accident. An accident which could have severely hurt somebody. If it had been a car, it could have hurt somebody else and him and his friends. See, bad things happen when you don't know where you're going and what you're looking at. Bad things happen. You think just for a second you're driving a car, those of you driving now, you're driving a car, you're cruising, you think for a second, oh, I can just reach down and grab this. And that split second reach down and grab this, you're not looking where you're going and bad things can happen. That's how it happens all the time. Jesus, in a conversation with Peter, is trying to get Peter to understand, be careful who or what you're looking at. Be careful. So I'm gonna read this passage of scripture as we sit at the table with Jesus. We'll read this passage of scripture in, in John 21, verses 15 to 22. It says this. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went, no, that's not, hold on, where are we going? Too fast. John 21, verse 15, there we go. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you did not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate what kind of death which Peter would be glorifying God in. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So we're having a conversation with Jesus and Jesus having this conversation with Peter and he's simply saying, do you love me? Peter's response is, yes, I love you. But Peter, do you love me? Peter's response, yes, I love you, Jesus. Just one more time, but Peter, do you love me? And when he uses that last time, when he says, do you love me, he changes the word for love there. The first two times, it's like, do you love me, do you love me? The last time, it's like a real emphasis, a stronger word for love. That, do you really passionately love me? And Peter responds, yes, you know I love you. They need to know some context. Why would Jesus be doing that? Why would we go further on in the chapter and we see as they're walking along, Peter looks behind him and sees the one disciple he was talking about was disciple John. Sees John walking behind him and says, hey, but Jesus, what about this guy? And then it's strange, isn't it? Here I'm having a conversation with Jesus. Think about it, you're in a coffee shop hanging out with Jesus. Jesus just said, do you love me? Man, Jesus, I love you so much. It's just, I love you, Jesus. But, but do you love me? Jesus, I love you, I really do. But Adam, do you love me? I, Jesus, I do, I really, I honestly love you. Hey, but that guy over there, what about this guy? That's like a strange thing in the middle of this conversation. Why would Peter suddenly take his eyes off Jesus and look at John over there? 
In order to understand that, you need to go look at the previous chapter in John chapter 20. Let's throw that scripture set up. John chapter 20. Now I want you to notice something. Three times what happens here. Three times something happens here. This is John writing, okay? This is the book of John, so John is writing, all right? Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, oh, the context here is that Jesus has now been de- dead. He's been in the grave three days. He's now risen from the grave. The women see that the tomb's empty. They go tell the disciples. The disciples now are going to see the tomb for themselves. This is the context, okay? Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, meaning John. First of all, isn't that a bit weird to talk to you about yourself when the third person like that? Oh, the one that Jesus loved. Oh, yes, that's me. Sorry, yes, it is. That's me, yeah. The one that Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Like, he can't really be alive. He was dead three days ago, okay? We saw him die. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. So Peter and John, the other disciple, when he wrote this book, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Why is that important? I'm faster than you, Jack. <laughs> okay? Notice, why would I, watch, just watch. Something's going on here. So the other disciple uh, ran, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So John shows up at the tomb first. He bent over and looked inside at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw, wait, wait a minute. Simon Peter came along behind him, second time. He could have said Simon Peter came along. Simon Peter came along behind him. First time, the other disciple, John, yeah, I outran you. Second time, yeah, you're coming from behind, buddy, because I got here first. Straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, meaning John, who had reached the tomb first, you think you're something, don't you, buddy? Three times he was telling, I'm ahead of you, I'm ahead of you, I'm ahead of you. The other disciple who went to reach the tomb first also went inside, he saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture what Jesus had risen from the dead. Three times in that chapter, three times in those short little verses there, John, the disciple wrote the book, he keeps referring to himself as the other disciple, okay? Three times he mentions, I'm ahead of you, Peter. I got here first, Peter. You came from behind, Peter. And there's other places in scripture, you can see this thing between Peter and John playing out a little bit. It's like a little bit of like a scratchiness there. Like, yeah, I'm, who's gonna be first? No, I'm gonna be first. Who's gonna be first? No, me, I'm gonna be first, right? So now you see Jesus talking to Peter. Hanging out by a fire somewhere in a coffee shop. <laughs> having a conversation. Do you love me? I love you, Jesus, I really do. Peter, do you love me? I really do love you, Jesus. Peter, do you really love me? Jesus, you know everything about me. I passionately love you. Man, I love you. But that guy over there, what about him? He couldn't let it go, could he? There was something so much, he was comparing himself to John, some kind of thing between he and John that he couldn't let it go. But what about that guy? You're asking me, do I love you? What about that guy over there? Won't you, won't you ask him these questions? What about him? And Jesus, in the conversation, very quickly, it doesn't matter about that guy. I've told you to follow me. Comparison. Comparison is a killer. 
you can't faithfully follow Jesus, you can't faithfully follow Jesus if you're comparing yourself to John. And yet many of us live under that comparison all the time. It's why you do the things you don't really wanna do, but you do it in case somebody says something. You don't wanna look out, you don't wanna look different compared to another person. Every single one of us in this room have played this game or are playing this game right now of comparison. Every single one of us, including myself, play this game of comparison at times from our own insecurity. Why do we do this as people? Why do we compare ourselves to someone down the road? Why do we compare ourselves to the, to the student sitting at the desk next to us? Why do we compare ourselves to some stranger we don't even know walking in school in front of us but they got nicer shoes than we do? Why are we constantly comparing ourselves, constantly feeling less than or better than? Right, that's what the comparison's for there. I'm better than you or I'm less than you. Somehow, I'm gonna compare. Because we're sinners. We're broken. <laughs> yes, we are sons and daughters, but the Bible also tells us we have to die daily because this thing keeps sticking up inside of us. This, this humanity keeps coming up inside of us going, hey, you, you, you gotta compare yourself to somebody else. Jesus isn't enough, you need something else. Jesus isn't quite enough for you, you need a little bit more. You gotta be a bit better at that sport than the next person. You gotta have a bit slightly nicer clothes. You gotta sing a little bit more. You gotta have a nicer girlfriend, the nicer boyfriend, the nicer house, the nicer car, whatever it is. You're comparing yourself to that next thing just to make sure you're a little above or a little under so you know where you stand. Constantly comparing. The problem is when you're comparing, when you're looking at somebody else, Jesus is sitting at the table with you having a conversation, wants intimacy with you, and you're too busy looking around the table at somebody else. Just like Peter in this moment watching something else, taking your eyes off what Jesus said, follow me. Not follow that person, not follow the person with the nice new Jordans, with the cool new car, follow me, he says, follow himself, follow Jesus. You see, where comparison starts, contentment ends. Many of you come here on Wednesday nights and we've heard this from you and it may not be everybody's experience, absolutely not, okay? Because we can't control anybody in this room. But many times the feedback we get is it's the one safe place you've got in your life. You come here, you get in your small group or your group of friends, your small group leader and you feel like, ah, oh, I don't have to be playing this game all the time of keeping up, I can just be me. But then we step outside these walls and we get back to our classroom, we get back to our home, we get back to hang around groups of friends outside here suddenly, and we start to compare. And the contentment we're experiencing here, we're not experiencing anywhere else, because where you compare, where comparison starts, contentment ends. Your peace goes away. Your satisfaction in Jesus seems to be gone. But we keep doing it, don't we? You know, when people come to me and they have certain issues or problems, one of the things I always say, they say, but I can't stop this or I don't want to stop this. One of the big things I often ask them is, well, how's it going for you? Has this behavior, has this thing served you well? No, it's causing so much pain. The same way with comparison. It's not serving you, but you keep doing it, don't you? And I'm just as guilty. A couple years ago, first kind of youth camp we went, we did here, and then we went to Missouri to a youth camp up there. I was the new guy on the block. All the other guys, they've been walking together three or four years already. Everybody knew each other. Everybody knew what was going on. We were new at the camp. I'd never been there before. Didn't know anybody at the camp. I show up there, and the whole time, I feel like I'm trying to break in. I feel like I'm trying to get in. I'm comparing myself to these, all these younger guys. I'm the old geezer 
I'm Billy Bob with all my teeth, okay? <laughs> I'm the old guy. I'm still trying to figure out this youth culture all over again. It's been a long time since I've worked with students. <laughs> I'm trying, how do I help? I figure out and help you the best way possible. And all these younger guys are around me and they're flying, they got the cool clothes and the shoes and the stuff and they look cool, they talk cool, they know all your slang stuff, they can speak in slang language, sounds like a whole different language to me at times. All this, the songs, the quote, all that stuff, they got it all down. And I'm struggling during the week going, ah, ah, ah. do I really belong here? Do I really belong here? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Comparing myself to those guys. And because I'm human like everybody else. You know what my big thing is where I compare most often at? Because everybody has something you compare often. You have an Achilles heel, a little hook somewhere where the enemy's got you and you're always comparing yourself in some way to somebody else. My thing and my influential here. That's what I'm always comparing. That's what gets me. That's my hook every time. Am I influential? Am I carrying influence in this space? Because when I come into a new space, I don't carry any influence. Nobody knows me. I don't know them. I'm a new guy on the block. And I start to struggle. I start to compare what I carry to everybody else. And I have to wrestle and fight and take my eyes off everybody else and pull them back to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I know you say I'm enough. You say you put me here. You say you've called me to this. You are my everything. You are more than enough. I've got to stay here. Otherwise, I'll end up just like Peter, sitting at the table, have Jesus right in front of him, having a great conversation with Jesus, looking around Jesus' shoulder and going, yeah, but what about that guy? What about that girl? Maybe your comparison is the way you look physically. You stand in the mirror and you stand in the mirror, you see all the wrong things. Comparing yourself to this friend or that friend or that person at school. Well, if I just had this, I need a bit more of this. Well, I just had this. Plastic surgery, we adults call it. And we get plastic, why do we get plastic surgery? Because I want to look better. A very famous pastor calls it the er problem, E-R, er problem. I want to be better than you. I have a more than you. I want to be more gooder than you. <laughs> gooder. The er problem. Sometimes not the er problem, sometimes the est problem. I want to be the best. But you're comparing somewhere. Everybody is. Where are you comparing at? Where are you missing a conversation with Jesus of intimacy and looking over his shoulder saying, yes, but what about that girl? What about that guy? Who is it? It might be your best friend. It might be some of your closest friends you're comparing yourself to all the time. And you're just saying, yeah, I have enough or I don't have enough. Always putting yourself there. See, the problem with that is this. You have a spiritual need. You and I both have a spiritual need. That's why we need these conversations with Jesus. Because we have spiritual needs in our life. And the only one that can fulfill that spiritual need is Jesus. Nothing or no one else can. But we're constantly looking externally for things that can fill an internal spiritual need. Looking externally for things that can fill an internal spiritual need. You're the one with the good grades. You're the one that makes everybody laugh. You're the one that's got the looks. You're the one that's got the nice clothes. You're the one that lives in a nice neighborhood. You're the one that can sing. You're the one that can play ball. Whatever it is, you're constantly comparing yourself to try to be something outside of Jesus. 
And all Jesus wants is you to be sitting at a table having a good conversation, getting to know each other. And your eyes will stay focused on him. Nowhere else, just him. Because he was designed to meet that need in your life. Nothing or no one else, nothing can fulfill that out there. That's why you keep chasing it. That's why we all keep chasing it, right? You get that, you know what I mean. You get that right job. You get that right piece of clothing. You get the right grade, and there's still more to chase after, isn't there? There's something else. It's the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. We do it in our sports across our school system, my little pet peeve. (laughs) We do it in our sports. We've professionalized your sports in your high schools. There there are 16, 17, 18-year-olds going to the doctors and they're showing injuries like they've been playing sports their entire life, like professional players are showing. The wear and tear in your body. Why? Because you're pushing better and better and better and better. You gotta be better. Gotta be to the next team. Gotta be better. Gotta be better. And sure, we wanna play. We wanna engage. We wanna be better. But when is enough enough? When does it stop? When do we say enough is enough? Jesus is all I actually need. I can be the best at the sport, but I'm gonna pursue Jesus first and primary because nothing else is gonna fulfill you. The world championship won't fulfill you. Being an actor and actress in Hollywood with all the money in the world won't fulfill you. All you gotta do is look on the TV and all the social media platforms will tell you over and over again, they're all chasing just like we are because we're all broken the same and we need Jesus to fill it. We need a conversation coffee with Jesus. You can't faithfully follow Jesus if you're always looking at John. Then the second thing we see here, and it's the last thing. There's something that takes place in this conversation, and and what you know is a bit more context here. So, do you remember Peter? Peter was the guy. Peter's like the big, bold, bullshit guy. He's like, I'm the dude. I'm the it guy, right? He was loud. He was obnoxious. He was always in the front, me kind of thing. And he was the guy at one point when Jesus said, "Listen, all you guys, when I die, basically, said, when, all you, when I go to die, all you guys are going to leave me." And Peter's like, ah, not me, buddy. Ah, me and you, we are tight. Ah, I'm like white on rice with you, buddy. I ain't going nowhere. I'm stuck in. I'm not going anywhere. I'm like a tick on a dog. You got me forever, baby. Yeah. That's what Peter's saying. I'm not going nowhere. And, and, and Jesus' like, hey, buddy, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows at midnight tonight. I can see Peter like, yeah, we'll see about that, won't we? And we know the story, or do we know the story? I don't know. There's Peter sitting beside a fire, with some other people, and sitting beside this fire. You know, you know when you've got that fire smell, the wood, the smoke's in the air all around you? You all know what I'm talking about. You've been there, that smoky smell. A bit fresh and cool outside, kind of like tonight. They're sitting around, they're talking about this Jesus God. Who is this Jesus God? The disciples around town, he's creating a commotion, and they, oh, these guys are crazy. And, they're, and they're, as they're looking around, they see Peter. Hey, you're... You're one of those guys. No, no, not me. I'm much the wrong guy. Nope, nope, it's dark. It's light. You can't see me good. No, no, not me, huh? A few months later, no, you are definitely one of those guys. I'm not one of those guys. Yeah, I don't know this Jesus guy. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, I'm not him. You are definitely one of those guys. I am not one of those guys. And it says, Peter went away and wept bitterly. Three times he denied Jesus. Isn't it fascinating? He boldly proclaimed, I will never leave you. And within 12 hours, three times, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Because his eyes were focused on the wrong things, number one. But number two, 
Because when you make bold proclamations like that, bold statements, the only way those things last, they have to come from a quiet, deep confidence. And so here we are back by the fire again. Now Jesus has been risen from the dead. He's died, came from the risen from the dead. All that's over. And this is the first time he's seen Peter since those days. The last time Peter saw Jesus face to face, Peter said, I will never deny you. I'm always with you. And he denied Jesus three times. This is the first time he's seen Jesus since face to face. He denied Peter three times. And isn't it interesting? Three times Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you passionately love me? Now, why would Jesus do that? Because there's something about making a statement out of our mouth of truth inside of us that helps us actually believe, yeah, that's actually true. (laughs) Because Peter's identity right now is, I'm the guy that denied him. You can imagine when he sees Jesus now, it's like, hey, hey, Jesus, how you going? Yeah, okay, oh man, I blew it last time. (laughs) You know that feeling like you know you've done something wrong and now you're looking at your mom and dad and they busted you? You're not like, yeah, what up about it? Okay. Most of us are like, <laughs> you've been caught. Shame, guilt, condemnation. There's Peter with Jesus, feeling all those things. And Jesus wanted to give him a new memory around a fire with the smoke in the air. Hey, Jesus. And Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times to kind of deal with the three times he denied Jesus originally. Three proclamations appear saying, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I really, really love you, Jesus. Because bold proclamations come from quiet confidence in Jesus. That's where they come from. You, you can make all kind of bold things, bold statements, but unless you have a quiet confidence in Jesus, you'll be just like Peter. You'll fall away, you'll fall away, you'll fall away, you'll fall away. We've seen it here, especially during camp. We come in, camp's great. Oh, it's amazing. Jesus, we love you. We're making these bold proclamations. Jesus, we love We're gonna follow you forever. And then school starts back. And, Gone. What about those bold proclamations you just made? There wasn't a quiet confidence in Jesus. You got emotional, you felt something cool, you got hyped with your friends, but there wasn't that quiet, deep confidence that Jesus is enough. Doesn't mean you won't fall and slip away from time to time, but it's remaining or coming back and saying, Jesus, back at the table, I'm back here again. Jesus, I went to the other coffee shop. Sorry, buddy, I'm back here with you now, okay? (laughs) I'm back here with you. So there's only one question you have to answer for tonight. Only one question. Who or what is going to define your worth? Who or what is going to define your worth? And if Jesus is having a conversation with us tonight, I think Jesus is sitting right there looking at every one of us, including me, and saying, hey, Dalton, who or what is gonna define your worth? Abram, who or what is gonna define your worth? Who or what is gonna define your worth? What would you say to Jesus in that moment? Oh, yeah, you, Jesus, over you. I'm like, Peter, I'm holding you, buddy. You, you, I'm, I'm there with you. Me and you, we good, we tight. But unless there's that quiet confidence in here that Jesus is enough, tomorrow at school, oh, don't you go to that one line? I think, no, I don't want to lie. No, those people are crazy, jumping around, the craziness, acting fool for Jesus. Mm, not me, mm-mm, mm-mm, I ain't doing it. 
and have that quiet confidence in Jesus. Who or what is defining your worth? Is it your friends? Is it your girlfriend, your boyfriend? Some of you rely heavily on the opposite sex to define your worth. Am I liked by this girl? Am I liked by this guy? If you're not liked by this girl, that guy, you cry passionately at home in your pillow. Guys, take a baseball bat and hit a tree. Because <laughs> you're letting someone else define your worth. I don't know about you, but isn't it amazing to think that you don't have to play that comparison game? That you can make bold proclamations that you passionately love Jesus? You can stand down front here and worship and don't give a rat's backside who or what sees you. I can't say the other word, right? Okay. <laughs> but you don't care who sees you because we're going to worship, we're going to celebrate you because it's only about you because you are the one who always speaks good things over me. Because here's the other thing. When we start being concerned what other people think about us all the time, we forget what God is saying about us. When you get more concerned what people think about you in your comparison game, you're completely forgetting what God's actually said about you, that you are more than enough already because of Jesus, that you have it all already because of Jesus, that you are safe because of Jesus, that you are forgiven because of Jesus, that your wealth doesn't matter, your lifestyle in terms of scale, in terms of uh, financial lifestyle doesn't matter, your standing in your friendship group or on the team, sports team, doesn't matter in the end of the day. It's only about your standing with Jesus. Because when you compare, you forget what God says about you, that he calls you, you're his son, you're his daughter. That he calls you an heir to the kingdom of God and all that comes with it. <laughs> heir means you get it all, like you're the prince or the princess, okay? That's what he calls us. You know, the, the New Testament, once you become a believer, the New Testament never calls us sinners ever again at that point. Even when you're sinning, even when you're comparing, never calls you a sinner. The New Testament, once you become a believer and follow Jesus, calls you a saint. Hmm, let's get my statue up there then. <laughs> Not that kind of saint, okay? Calls you a saint, no longer a sinner. Because God can't see the sin any longer. He sees Jesus in you. That's it. And he says, you are far more than enough. I love you so much. All I can see is Jesus. I love you and I want you with me. I want to have the coffee conversations. I want to hang out. I don't want you to be hurt by comparing to other people all the time who make you feel less than, who make you feel belittled, who make you feel worthless at times. That's not what I want for you. I want you to know you're loved, you're cherished, you're honored. You're full of me in, my, in his presence. When we need to make those bold proclamations, those bold statements of faith that I'm following Jesus, most of the time when we need to make those, it's at our weakest moments, isn't it? It's at that moment when I'm sitting with that one friend who's not a believer, and man, I, I just wanna be seen as a good guy in this guy's eyes. And so I push the jokes a little too far, uh, start bad-mouthing another one of my friends to this friend, I do things which actively hurt other people by picking on them and teasing them because I gotta be seen as okay in this person's eyes. Comparing, we lose sight of what Jesus says about us. 
And that's actually, we need to make those bold statements. But that's why it's interesting, it says in Joel chapter 10, it says this amazing little verse, small little verse. In Joel chapter 10, it says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Because God knows when we, need to, when we need his strength the most is when we are weak. It's not here on Wednesday night, we're like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They're strong here. It's when you walk out these doors and you're by yourself with your different groups of people, that's when you need to say, I am strong. And I want to encourage you, as you leave here, as you go into your week, I want to encourage you to repeat this. Let the weakling say, I am strong in you, Jesus. Just tell yourself that. It's okay to talk to yourself once in a while. You're not that crazy. I'm strong in you, Jesus. You know you're going to, have, uh, going to have a coffee. You're going to hang out with someone who you know has been your downfall. You know every time you're with this person, you probably do things which aren't great. Lead you into sin patterns, sin behavior. You need to, number one, either check yourself before you get there, or number two, if you're going to go there, you need to be going into it saying, I am strong in Jesus. I am strong. I'm here to be a light to this person. I'm here not to compare, but to draw this person to you, Jesus. Have an understanding and clear focus that you are still sitting at the table with Jesus when you're meeting with that friend. You're still sitting at the table of Jesus and Jesus is sitting there saying, do you love me? Follow me, feed my sheep. That's a different image, isn't it? When you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend and the temptation is there to go too far, do something your parents have asked you not to do, Jesus is sitting right there, hanging out at the coffee table, going, hey guys, I'm here. (laughs) Do you love me? Do you love me? Be the person in your relationship to put the boundary in place. Be that person. Make a difference in somebody else's life or change versus taking from somebody because you need, because you're comparing. Because that's what we're doing when we compare and then we go after those things, we're taking those things to fill us And so with that boyfriend or girlfriend and we do the things we shouldn't be doing, we're doing that because we're needy, we're taking. We're taking at that point. We're not giving, we're taking. Because I need something. That's not love. Love is always giving. Do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you passionately Love me. I ask you to stand, please. Hopefully you've had some conversation with Jesus as we've been chatting tonight. Hope this image of a coffee table set up will help you understand that everywhere you go, this little coffee table's hanging out with you and Jesus is sitting there waiting. And he's looking at you saying, hey, do you love me? And now my question is, who or what's gonna define your worth? You're gonna keep your eyes focused on Jesus and rest in that? Or are you gonna look around the corner and say, yeah, but, but what about that person? What about that person over there, Jesus? Oh, but Jesus, if I, just, if I could just get with this girl, this guy, man, my whole world's gonna be so much better. Where are you focused at? Who are you looking at? What are you comparing to? So there is no comparison for you. Understand that. Psalms, it tells us you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. He made you, you. We don't want anybody else but you. He made you the way you are for purpose and reason. 
It's up to you whether you live up to that because He will empower you to do it if you stay focused on Him. When you're comparing yourself to someone else, you're not being who you're called to be. You're not walking in what He's called you to walk in. And every one of you have a calling on your life somewhere. There's a purpose and plan for you. It's not like comparison, kill it. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna come and respond in just a minute. We're gonna sing the response song, but as we sing tonight, maybe you don't sing. You can, absolutely, we want you to sing, but maybe you just need to listen. Maybe you just need to lift your hands and listen to what Jesus is speaking. Maybe you wanna sing, that's okay, but if you're standing there listening, listen to what Jesus is saying over your life. Maybe he's saying to you like you did Peter, it is none of your business what's happening with that person over there because I want you to follow me. I want you. Where's the comparison in your life? Where's your weak spot? Lean into Jesus as we worship tonight. And when you get to the small groups tonight, I wanna encourage you to be open about where the comparison is in your life. Where have you made bold proclamations before? Yes, this is me. And you find yourself always falling back. Maybe that's the area you're gonna do some work in with Jesus to get some of that quiet confidence. So when I speak, I can walk in that because it's not my strength, it's Jesus' strength. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Come, let's worship.